guys it's awesome it's awesome this is the uh, the start of a brand new teaching series for us we've entitled it playlist and what we're going to do is we're going to take a song every single sunday and we're going to highlight it like that and then we're going to dissect it in a sermon sense and connect god's word to the actual lyrics um, and then we're going to have a moment right after I pray. There are the worship teams in all of our venues in North Platte and our East and West venues here at the Carney campus. They're all going to lead you in that song. Our whole endeavor here is to try to create an environment where the, there's passionate worship at New Life Church. We, we just want a, a church that's passionate about Jesus. We want a church where people are inspired after they come here, when they walk away, not because of the way the music sounded or way, you know, whoever preached, preached, but we want them to walk away inspired because they met with the presence of Jesus Christ himself. And that, that's our endeavor. That's, that's like, that's our heart. That's where we're going. That's the kind of church that we are. We are a church that believes in passionate worship. And so this whole series is going to focus on Sunday, the corporate picture of worship, meaning this hour and five minutes that we spend together. But you do need to know that the Bible says that your entire life is a life of worship. That means that you're going to spend more time worshiping God out there than you will in here. So how can I, as a pastor and as a church, how can I help you be, be living for God out there? It's going to happen when you're passionate about Jesus in here. See, what happens is that in here is where kind of the internal spiritual compass heading gets set for the week. And then you walk out and you follow the compass heading. When you miss moments where you get to be with other believers, where you get to be in an environment where Jesus is contagious, then your, your compass heading, when you're not in those moments, it kind of gets skewed. And then you find that those weeks are, you know, weeks on end after having missed those opportunities, that, that you find yourself running into more dead ends. Uh, you find your attitude changing. You find a lot of things going downhill. Well, we want your life out there to be passionate about Jesus. And so that starts in here together. And all we're doing is following what the very first worship service looked like. The very first worship service in the Old Testament, once this facility called the temple was built, which God had given to his people, and he said, I want you to build this temple. 
A man by the name of Solomon actually got the project done. He was the son of a famous Old Testament character named David, King David. So his son Solomon, he builds the temple. When the first worship service happens, it is so inspiring. It is so passionate. The people are just overjoyed. We want to take us back to that kind of attitude when that very first worship service happened and say this. We, we want that same attitude here. So let me give you a snapshot of what that looked like in Second Chronicles chapter 5. It says that the trumpeters and the singers, they performed together in unison, praising to praise and give thanks to the Lord. I'm just telling you right now, have you ever been to a church where the worship team, you know, wasn't even singing in the same key? It's not very fun, is it? Come on. You know, you've been there. Just raise your hand if you've been there or smile at me if you've been there. And you kind of walked out going, come on, seriously. Did you guys not practice all week? Did you just do it here right now? Right? They're not in unison. There's something about being in unison that is good. Amen. Is anybody alive today? All right, okay, good. I'm pretty sure everybody in North Platte's alive right now. All right, so the trumpeters, the singers, they performed together in unison, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments like electric guitars and current synthesizers and background tracks and really cool drums. That's just Jeff Baker's paraphrased version. It's my, my dream worship team. They raised their voices and they praised the Lord with these words. Check this out. They raised their voices, by the way, and they said this. He is good. His faithful love, it endures forever! Exclamation mark. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests, they couldn't even continue their service because the cloud, which was the glorious presence of the Lord, had filled the temple of God. So listen, their, their simple acts of obedience... And worship, passionate worship to God, led them right into the presence of God. Can I just say this as your lead pastor of this church? I want all of our venues to experience the powerful presence of the living God. I want you to come together on a Sunday and worship and walk out going, we were just in God's presence. Now, in this scenario, obviously, they knew they were in God's presence because a cloud came down at that very moment. You know, I mean, I'm not expecting that to happen today, but I am expecting us to walk away knowing we just connected with the powerful presence of Jesus, and I want more of that in our church. Anybody else with me? Okay, good, good. We're going to get there. Here's how we're going to get there. When we realize that corporate worship is less about singing songs, and it's more about these two words, proclaiming and posturing. Corporate worship has worship songs involved in it, and it's always going to be here at New Life. But it's really less about the song, and it's more about what we do with the song, like proclaiming. Proclaiming, when we're singing with one another, um, in unison, by the way, right? Because we all sing on perfect pitch, amen? All right, and if, you, if the person behind you doesn't, just show extra grace. Come on. You want people in front of you to show grace, too, all right? So let's just, let's just give it up right now. Um, so we, we want to declare, meaning we want to proclaim and declare that God is all-powerful. We want to we proclaim that there's no one else like him. We want to proclaim in our worship that, you know, he loves us with an everlasting love. We want to proclaim that he's fighting for us as an example. And we, we, we want to proclaim the very character and the nature of God. So when we come together, that's one of the things that we do. And when you proclaim, it's literally saying it out of your mouth so your own ears can hear it. Right? So you don't proclaim something like this, like, that's really good. No, that's not proclaiming. To proclaim it, you would say this, that's really good. 
right? Are you guys still with me? All right, okay, okay, good. You guys are really quiet today. I don't know what the deal is. Like, pinch yourself, wake up, right? So when we proclaim, we literally are saying things so that our ears can hear it. So in worship, when we sing, you know one of the things that would be beneficial for your spiritual life is if you proclaimed at a level that your own ears could hear it. There's something about that. There's something about you being all in. Like, I'm all in, man. I'm, I'm worshiping God. I'm proclaiming how incredibly powerful he is, his character and his nature. But then that posturing piece, this is very critical. Posturing is positioning yourself in a humbled state before the almighty God. That would be both physical and in heart. So to position yourself humbly before an almighty God might look like this in worship. It might look like I'm raising my hands right now, God, out of an act of surrender to you, just declaring that you are great and I'm not. And I'm lifting my hands to you to saying, God, you are holy. You're holy, holy. You're you're holy above all else. It could be I'm clapping my hands, God, in celebration of you. It could be I'm shouting your name out, shouting your name out in a way that doesn't distract others, right? Right? Like every once in a while, you might get somebody that whistles like right next to you. Have you ever had someone whistle like right next to your ear? Doesn't it, isn't just in, like, like that, like my wife just did? Isn't that really kind of slightly, I can't even say it now because you did it, honey. I was going to say, it could be annoying, except for when your wife does it, it's beautiful. You guys understand what I'm saying, right? You understand what I'm saying, okay. All right, I mean, now some people around here have to replace an eardrum, but that's okay, that's all right. See an usher afterwards, uh, we can help you with that. Um, I think. I don't know. Find somebody with a green shirt. They help you. But so posturing could also be coming to an altar. We have altars at the front of all of our venues. And we always say that the altars are for the hungry. And so coming and kneeling down, there's times when that's all I can do. It's what I want to do. It's what I sense in my heart I'm supposed to do in a posture of humility before an almighty God. There's times when I've just laid on the ground, right? Face to the ground, man, just seeking God recognizing his presence is here with us. And so there's all different types of ways that we physically, you know, worship the Lord, but it's a, it comes out of an attitude of humility, folks, not out of an attitude of drawing attention to me. It's out of an attitude of humility to God, but it's inspiring when we're all doing it, right? When you don't feel like you're the fish out of water, it's inspiring when we're all like engaged and we're going after God, but it's also a posturing of the heart, let me, be criti- let me just be you know, c- uh, clear about this point for a moment. The posturing of the heart is critical for healthy, passionate worship of God. So what would that look like to posture your heart in a sense of humility even today while you're sitting here? It would be to remind yourself, I'm second, God's first. It would be to literally say to the Lord, I am nothing, you are everything. It would be to come into his presence like we are today and just simply say, God, I am a sinner. I, I, I've, I've broken your law this week. If it's not for your grace, how can I even be in your presence? That's the humility, posturing sense of the heart. And we have to come with proclaiming who God is with great confidence and also posturing ourselves with incredible humility. And so we do that using wor- worship music. We do that you know, with song. And it's a great opportunity to both proclaim and, and, uh, and posture yourself correctly. And so, again, every Sunday we're going to pick a song. This song this week is I'm Fighting for Us. And it might, it might be new to you. 
right? This might be a song that you've never heard before. We've been playing it for about a month here. We're going to have songs coming up in this series that we're going to highlight on a Sunday that you've never heard before. But we're rolling them out. We pick songs here, you know, uh, critically. Like, we really look at the verbiage inside the song. Does it, does it speak our culture? Is it saying what we want to say? Is it, is it overtly saying that Jesus is Lord or that God is incredible or God's amazing? Is it really speaking those things? Can you, can you nail it down and say, I know who I'm singing to. I know who I'm singing about. That's important for us. And many times those are new songs. And, you know, that means that we leave old songs and we kind of like let them kind of have their moments, and we keep moving forward. And the reason why we do that at New Life is because we believe God's still speaking today, and he's speaking to current songwriters. And if God's speaking to current songwriters, we want to grab a hold of those new songs that are from the heart of God. We want to use those to express passionate worship to Jesus. But I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt, some of you have old songs that really stir your heart with a passion for God. I've got them. Don't lose those songs. Keep them on your own personal playlist and your own personal prayer time. But in a corporate sense, we have to keep moving with God. We want to be on the same page where God's at in 2017. We don't ever want to get stuck in, you know, 1973. Are you with me? Are you with me? I hope that's the way you are with your life. Because if you aren't that way with your life, you're already stuck, decayed. And spiritually, that means that you're, you're dying, I, I, we don't want people dying, and we don't want a church that's dying. So we stay on the cutting edge, just keep pursuing God and going, God, what are you saying to your church today? So fighting for us. Where, where does this song find its, its grounding um, in Scripture before we get into the song? It has, its, it has its grounding in a number of places. In fact, the principle of God fighting for us is laced throughout Scripture. Let me give you a couple of really good ones, though. Um, Moses going to set the Israelites free from slavery underneath Pharaoh where they've been there for 430 years. You may have read that. Moses is an Old Testament character, uh, very famous, right? Um, There's movies made of this, but he goes to Pharaoh. There's all these plagues that are going on. And then Pharaoh finally says, okay, yeah, um, let those people go, man. And so Moses leads the people and and he leads them out, right? Um, and, he, and he leads them right to the Red Sea. And the Red Sea is like full. There's no crossing it. And Pharaoh and his armies have come up on the back of them now. And now they're stuck and the people are complaining and they're, they're worried and they're scared. And Moses says at that very moment these words, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And right after that, the Red Sea opens up. The Israelites walk through it. Pharaoh and his armies, you know, out of their incredible pride, they try to march down in there, and the sea collapses in on around them. I would say God was fighting for his people that day. Amen? There's another great story, a king called Hezekiah. He's in the Old Testament as well. He's one of many kings that Israel's had over its, over its years. And at this particular moment, the Assyrians, they were coming to attack Um, uh, Jerusalem, where the king was at. And so he's having the walls fortified. He's having weapons built. He's having shields made and swords made to try to defeat the enemy. And the enemy is large and the enemy is powerful and the enemy is mocking and taunting them and mocking and taunting their God. And the people are getting kind of scared. And so King Hezekiah, he says this to his people. He says, guys, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of, of, of Assyria or his mighty army, for there is a power far greater on our side. He may have a great army, but they are what? Merely men. They're merely men. We have the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles for us. 
Church, that's the God that we serve. You know how he fought the battle for him this time? It's incredible. It's going to blow your mind away. He sent one angel to this powerful, mighty army. One angel goes and kills all the soldiers and all of the officers. And the king has to walk away back to Assyria with his tail between his legs. One angel. I would say this to you. There is no battle that you're facing that God can't overcome, right? That's just true. God is all-powerful. So let's look at this song really quick. And let me break it down for you. Let's go to verse 1. Verse 1 says this. You are not flesh and bone. Speaking of God. You are not weak or slow. You're everything brave and bold. You're fighting for us. You are not distant or cold. Your heart's not angry or closed. Even in ways we don't know, you're fighting for us. When I read verses like that and hear from the very heart of God and know that it's connected back to God's word, it reminds me, it just like speaks things to me about who God is and who this God is that we worship and that we serve. And I thought, I just want to share a few of those things with you. As an example, it just screams to me this, that we don't serve a humanoid God with powers that, that are just a little bit greater than us. But we serve a God with power that is not even comparable to us. Like, I don't have anything to measure the power of God as compared to me. You know, when you look at those verses and it says that you are not flesh and bone and you are not weak or slow. It's so true. God's not flesh and bone like me. He's not flesh and bone like you. God is spirit. God is all-powerful. Right? He's not, he's not slightly compared to us. There is no comparison to us. Here's some other things that it tells me about our God, though. That our God doesn't have fear, and he doesn't get afraid. And there isn't anything larger or tougher than our God. Can you imagine that? Never getting afraid? Being the biggest, the largest? Like nothing else being larger than you? I mean, how many times have you been afraid in your life of things? How many times have you been reminded that, you know, there's a lot of things on this earth that are much bigger than you? I was just listening to an astronaut's account of being in space recently, and he said this, that his very first time in space, he was blown away. And they said, well, what really blew you away? He goes, when I looked down at the earth and I realized how small we really are. But when you look at God, there is nothing larger than our God. He's never been afraid. He doesn't know what fear is. It's not in his vocabulary. Nothing gets under the skin of God. Nothing causes the butterflies in the stomach of God. Nothing causes the mind of God to worry. He's never afraid. He's brave and he is bold. God isn't off in some fairy tale place either. Like just sitting around, you know, getting drunk on wine and eating grapes. Our God hasn't grown overweight and out of shape today. Our God is fighting for us. He's not distant and he's not cold. He isn't off in some place where you have to worry about, is he going to take my call today? Is he going to take my prayer? Is he going to listen to me? Does he have enough time for me? He's not distant and cold. He's close and he's warm today. And our God is actively pursuing his creation. He is highly interested in what you have to say and what you feel and what you do and even what you think. Because our God is fighting for you in ways that you don't even know. Just like the song says, he's not angry and cold. But some of you, some of you think today that God has grown angry and cold. Some of you have believed the lie today that God's not fighting for you. He's fighting against you. Back in 1990, that's the very reason why I turned my back on God and walked away from him. 
1990, when I stuck my finger up into heaven and I said, you must not exist, it's because I believed the lie that God was no longer fighting for me, that God was fighting against me. And if you're here today and that's what you believe, I just want you to know that's a lie. And when that lie gets inside of your heart, it's amazing how the enemy just fans that lie into a life-controlling decision where you walk away from God. Don't let that lie seep in any longer, any farther. Remove it today. Come to God, repent. Just say, God, forgive me for believing that. You're not fighting against me. You're fighting for me. And church, today, if God seems distant and cold to you, it's not because he moved. It's because you moved. God is solid. He is stable. He's never, he never wavers. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So church, if God's growing cold in your heart, run back to him because you're, you're backpedaling away from him right now. That's not going to end well for you. Trust me, I went down that road. Run back to God today and humble yourself before him. Posture yourself and proclaim that he is king of kings and he is Lord of lords. God's heart towards you is not grown angry and cold, no matter what you're thinking up here. God has not grown angry and cold towards you. In fact, God's love is just the opposite. His love, it transcends the timeline of your life. It goes from the beginning of your life, before your life began, all the way through to eternity. And it never stops, it never fails, it never weans, it never wavers. God's love is constant and consistent. It's always passionate towards you. And maybe today we just need to be reminded of what God's heart and what his love is towards us today. Look at this verse in Jeremiah. It says, long ago the Lord said to Israel, or long ago the Lord said to, and insert your name, to Jeff Baker, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Guys, that's the love that God has for us. That's what causes God to fight for us. He has a love for you and me that's everlasting and it's never failing. And the action of God's love is to do what? That you would be what? Drawn towards him. God's here today. He's drawing you towards him. Like if you sense that love drawing you towards him, here's my recommendation. Surrender. Give in. If you sense God pulling on your heart towards himself this morning, you don't leave this place until you feel a release. Like if you're the last one in our venue, in North Platte or in Kearney, it doesn't matter. Like the lights are going to get turned off, the doors are going to get locked, it's okay, don't worry about it. The vacuum cleaner might go someplace, but don't worry about it. If you sense God drawing you to himself today, don't walk out of this place. I guarantee you the restaurants will still be open at 2 o'clock. They'll take, your, they'll take your order. They'll take your money. But if God's working on your heart, you stay engaged with him. Are you with me? All right. Here's the chorus. It's awesome. The chorus goes like this. You don't hold back when it comes to your children. You fiercely defend us till we stand delivered. You're fighting for us. You're always fighting for us. You don't back down facing armies of thousands. You speak one word and they scatter around us. You're fighting for us. God, you are always fighting for us. What does this say about our God? That he's, he's always giving 100%, 100% of the time. Have You and me, we can't even do that. You know, like God doesn't even have a setting for 99%. Do you realize that? 
Like God doesn't just kind of go, eh, I don't really want to give 100% today. I'll just dial it back, give 99%. I can still run the universe at 99%. Still handle it all. You know, I'm just going to be honest with you. I've got some things in my life that are 10%. No one else out there like that? Like, you know, entertain me with the idea of cutting my grass. That's 10%. Not interested, right? You know, let's just get personal. Anybody else have any animals? Like, entertain the idea of going out and picking up the poop in the backyard. Let's just be real for a second. Is anybody at 100% with that? Because if you are, you can come to my house. Nobody's at 100%. See, there's things in your life you're not at 100% all the time, but God is. God's on 100%, 100% of the time. That's who our God is. He never backs down. He never holds back when it comes to his children. And listen to this. God never takes a vacation, right? And he, and he never stops pursuing you. God, God doesn't go to like the head chief angel and go, hey, by the way, you know what? I'm going to be taking some vacation. I'm going to be gone for a couple of weeks, be on the backside of the, the universe. Um, hey, hold all my calls. Send some important emails. I'll check them every once in a while when I, you know, I got service. God, God doesn't do that. God doesn't check out and your prayers go on hold someplace. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, heaven is full right now. We're going to be putting your, uh, your call on the waiting list. You'll be waiting for the next 24 years. That doesn't happen, right? Instant access to God. He never, he never takes vacation. He's always pursuing you. Listen to this one. God never cowers in the face of your enemy. God doesn't back down facing armies of thousands. He speaks one word, and they scatter around us. He doesn't cower at the face of your enemy. You and me, we cower at the face of our enemy. Like we've got things in our life right now that we cower back from. We're, we've tried to defeat it. We've tried to overcome it, but we've got nowhere. So now we're just cowering back. You might feel like the, the kid on the playground where the bully is, you know, bullying you. And that's how you might feel. And day after day, the bully comes. And then all of a sudden one day, the bully comes, but he turns around and he walks away. And you're like, yeah, finally, you learned your lesson. And then you turn around and dad's standing behind you. And the bully really walked away because not of you but because he saw dad and that's the picture you and me need to have of god that when the enemy tries to come against us who does he really see he sees god who's willing to fight for us now i'm just gonna let you know that although god's willing to fight for us it doesn't mean that our life's going to be perfect we are going to go through difficult seasons in our life you do understand that right and those difficult seasons they shape our very character they, they chisel us into the men and the women of God that we want to be. Never forget, just because you're going through difficult times doesn't mean that God's not powerful enough to defeat the enemy that's right before you. God's waiting for the opportune time when it's best for you to show off his power and to display his almightiness and to show you that he's fighting for you. So I want you to remember today these four statements. Hang on to one of these when you walk out of these doors today. God is fighting for me. You might want to proclaim one of these things somewhere in today's worship service or in your car driving home, somewhere before the sun sets today. Your, your own ears need to hear. Some of you, they need to hear you say, God, you are fighting for me. Just let it sink into your heart. For some of you, that's what you needed to hear today. For others of you, it's God is my defender. That's what you need to proclaim today. God, you are my defender no matter what I'm facing today. Some of you just need to, you know, simply say this truth, that God will not back down. 
God has not led me out to this place where he's going to leave me now where I'm going to fail and fall flat on my face. God will not back down in this endeavor with me. Maybe lastly, you needed to say to yourself that God can't be defeated. For some of you, that's what you need to stand on today. You need to come back to the beginning of your faith and realize, God, you can't be defeated no matter what I'm facing right now. But as we move into this last verse, it says these words. You never close your eyes. Wow. You've never been surprised. Whatever war may rise, you're fighting for us. You move with a holy rage in all of your miraculous ways. And what do we do? We simply stand here amazed because you, God, are fighting for us. You know what this says about our God? It says that he never sleeps and he never has to. He never closes his eyes. There's no sleeping on the job for God. He's fully attent, eyes wide open, zoomed in on you, looking for you, seeing what's going on, hearing your prayer today. Our God is, he's never surprised or he's never taken off guard. He never has to scramble from the unknown. How many times have you been caught broadsided in a situation where you didn't see it coming? How many times have you been tracking down a certain path and then all of a sudden you didn't know that this was going to take place and you had to change your whole course and you just had to scramble at the last moment to put it all together? God doesn't have to. That's not who our God is. He never gets surprised, right? right? There, there, isn't, there isn't a battle that's too big for our God to ever face. Like in battle, God never has to retreat. God never has to go and regroup. And God never has to call the B plan because he doesn't have a B plan. When God moves, it's the A plan. And the A plan is always perfect. But how many for us, right? When we do something, we've got our A plan, B plan, C plan, D plan. And we start out thinking that, man, A plan is it. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're like activating the D plan. That's not the way God works. That's not who God is. God doesn't have these alternate plans set up like, well, if this doesn't work, I'm going to try this. And if that doesn't work, I'm going to try No, God goes, this is the way we do it. This is the perfect way. Why? Because our God is perfect in all of his ways, his actions, and his motives. He moves with a holy rage. Our God is holy, meaning he's perfect. He's never sinned. He's never sinned one hour, one minute, one second. He's never sinned with one word, with one action, or one motive. He's never sinned with one thought ever. He's never sinned, he isn't sinning, and he's never going to sin. Our God moves with a holy rage, meaning he's holy, he's perfect, he has never sinned. You and me, we can't say that about ourselves. But that's who our God is, and he's fighting for us. So in light of this, what should we do? I recommend we do what the second verse said. We simply stand here amazed of you, God. I simply stand here amazed because you're fighting for us. And in your amazement, your amazement should, it should draw you to a passionate expression to God. It should draw you to a passionate proclamation of how powerful our God is. It, it, that amazement should draw you to a, a holy posture where you're sitting at the feet of Jesus. He is king and you are servant. And you're recognizing there's none equal to you, God. That's what our amazement should do. It should drive us to that type of proclamation and that posturing. And today, just after I pray, our worship teams are going to lead us in this song. And I want to encourage you, proclaim how powerful our God is with this song. And posture your heart humbly before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And my final thoughts for you, though, is this. Since God is fighting for us, come to him today and lay down your battle. 
Everybody's battling with something, and you're all trying to take care of it yourself. But why don't you bring your battle to Jesus today and ask him to battle for you, like he's done all throughout Scripture. And why don't you ask God to give you his battle plan, his A plan, which is the right plan for your life. Whatever you're facing, ask God. God, I want to join your A plan. I want to stop going with my D plan. So, Lord, if you are fighting for us, would you fight for me? And I would encourage you to pray that prayer today as we come before the Lord. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. God, I am so encouraged by the fact that you never close your eyes and that you've never been surprised. Whatever war may rise, you are fighting for us. I'm so encouraged by the fact that you don't back down facing armies of thousands. but You speak one word and they scatter around us. Lord, I'm so encouraged by the fact that you give to your children the very best and that you love us with an everlasting love, a a never-failing love, a love that never ends. But I'm so encouraged by that today. So encouraged that, Lord, you're fighting battles for me that I don't even know that need to be fought. That you're working on my behalf in ways I don't even know how to ask for. That, Lord, you're pursuing me with a passion that's so far beyond any passion I can ever give back to you. But Lord, in these next few moments, may we worship you at New Life Church with an extravagant passion, with a love that comes from deep within us, motivated by the power of the Holy Spirit. May we lift up your voice and proclaim how powerful you really are as we humble ourselves before an almighty God today. Lord, may your will be done. May your kingdom come in this church. Have your way over these next few moments that we spend together. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.